Welcome to the next edition of Business Law Focus. Great to have you with us. An absolute pleasure to welcome Ridwan Bodo, who's an executive in the corporate and commercial practice at ENS Africa with us. And Ridwan is advising on some big TMT deals. He specializes in the TMT sector. And we want to unpack something quite interesting. In the last podcast, we spoke about this rise in climate-related litigation. But uh, Ridwan um, has done some interesting research in the growth in climate tech and climate technology as everyone moves on this ESG journey. And, and this is also creating a lot of opportunity, but also some risks and some areas and elements that the corporate sector and people that's switching on this new tech need to be very aware of. So Ridwan, thanks very much for joining us and maybe give us a bit of context on this rise of climate tech. Thank you very much for having me today. Yes, so so the term climate tech or climate technology uh, generally refers to the application of technology and innovation to address climate change to promote and promote sustainability. Uh, it first gained popularity during the Paris Agreement in 2015, where this term climate tech came to the fore. Uh, and I think the context for climate tech is uh, companies are under increasing pressure to adopt environmental, social and governance practices or commonly known as ESG practices. And the use of climate tech has become more appealing now than ever uh, has been. Uh, essentially, by harnessing innovative solutions that climate tech offers, companies can integrate and execute their, in their ESG plans in various ways, uh, including IT and data capture systems to ensure that organizations remain compliant with climate tech. Uh, when we look at climate tech very broadly, uh, it, 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 it applies to a number of sectors, uh, including renewable energy, energy storage, uh, but it goes so far as electric vehicles. Uh, it also extends to sustainable agriculture practices, forestry practices, transportation solutions, smart grids, uh, and a number of other applications. I think the list of climate technology solutions uh, uh, just seems to be increasing every day and more and more innovation is coming to, to the market. Uh, when we look at globally uh, from, the, the, from the research which we've conducted, cl currently climate tech market is worth approximately $2.5 trillion. So you can see a very, very significant industry uh, and investors are now focusing more and more on contributing capital towards uh, longer-term projects, impactful projects, and outcome-focused projects as well. Uh, for companies, for uh, for entrepreneurs, for innovators, this pre presents a really, really great opportunity. Uh, but as with the adoption of any technology, it's not always without risk. Uh, and there's a number of imperatives uh, which are taking place and also a number of gray areas or hollow areas in the law uh, which doesn't seem to uh, cater specifically for the adoption of climate tech. Uh, climate tech. Uh, now, if I were to touch very briefly, the, the regulatory sorry. landscape when it comes to to ESG is evolving, and and it, you know, it's adapting pretty fast to these developments. Is is it including a lot of the the climate tech developments? I, I know a lot of it is about the projects and renewables and the rollout and the targets uh, in line with the convention. Yes. Um, are we are we seeing regulation actually keeping pace? Uh, so uh, the, the interesting thing, being a technology lawyer or specialist technology lawyer for over 15 years now, I can say very clearly that technology, uh, the law can never keep up with technology. Yeah. So in as much as governments are trying to put in place initiatives to keep up with technology, technology tends to outstrip 
or the pace of and growth of technology tends to outstrip legal regulation. That being said, there are a number of industry-specific initiatives which are taking place. Uh, so a number of countries are looking, for example, at uh, artificial intelligence uh, technologies. How do we regulate that, especially as we apply it to things like autonomous vehicles, electric vehicles, and the like? When we're looking at uh, uh, things like uh, uh, power and alternative energy sources, uh, more and more uh, uh, governments are starting to consider how do they create an environment or a legal or regulatory environment that actually encourages this growth. Uh, and I think South, South, in, in South Africa, it's probably no different. Uh, regulation is sporadic and in many instances even non-existent uh, because the simple fact of the matter is that regulation can never keep up with technology and technology growth tends to outstrip uh, uh, the, or the, the utility in regulation tends to be outstripped by the pace of technology growth. Uh, and there's this constant tussle which governments face uh, globally is to do we regulate certain types of technologies? Do we regulate certain types of practices? And if so, how is the best way to do that? There's no clear-cut answer, uh, but there are a number of, of, of specific uh, initiatives which are taking place with governments around the world in seeking to regulate specific types of industries. So I think for now we'll see uh, regulation taking place more sporadically, more focused on specific types of technologies. Uh, so, for example, alternative energy, we may see regulation in that space. Uh, eventually, things like electric vehicles, public transport systems and the like, we already had uh, very uh, good data privacy uh, legislation in the country, which because of its principle or condition-based uh, approach, it's fairly technology neutral. And the, but the principles of, of, of uh, legislation, such as Poppy, the Protection of Personal Information Act, can easily be applied to initiatives taking place uh, under climate tech, especially in relation to data and the relation between data and climate tech. Now, this heavy use of technology that, that's happening in tandem with moves to sustainability, it, it itself uses energy, right? I suppose there's a bit of a challenge there in balancing, you know, this high use of tech and achieving sustainability goals. Absolutely. So the use of tech uh, sometimes actually is counterproductive to achieving sustainability goals. Uh, if we look at a very example, the use of blockchain technologies, uh, especially the ones which enable things like uh, cryptocurrencies and the like, uh, these are extremely energy hungry technologies uh, and they actually are detrimental to the environment. So in as much as companies adopt technology, seeking to adopt technology to, to, to uh, embrace the, or to, to foster their sustainability goals. Sometimes the very nature of the type of technologies which are trying, which companies seek to adopt is actually harmful to the environment. Uh, and I use blockchain as one example, and there are a number of other types of technologies uh, out there which, although very well-meaning, very well-intended, they actually do harm the environment. Uh, and this is something that, you know, companies and organizations and entrepreneurs are going to constantly grapple with is how do we bring the best technology to the market without harming the environment, without impacting on our ESG goals? Uh, and how do we actually create this climate for uh, uh, sustainable practices or sustainable technologies uh, in a manner that does not harm the environment? Can you give us some guidance on how the organizations, companies can manage the risks? Sure. So, so there's a number of uh, initiatives which need to take place. I think the starting point for any type of 
initiative which organizations need to implement is there must be leadership at the board level. Yeah. Uh, if the board is not going to take accountability for ESG goals and for climate tech adoption, uh, then that company is going to be in a lot of trouble down the line. Uh, I think one of the most often overlooked parts of corporate governance is that uh, boards are still responsible for information governance and technology governance. So climate tech adoption is no different. When a company is looking to uh, implement any type of climate technology solution or create one or take one to market, the board needs to take ownership of that. And what goes hand in hand with that is having in place proper policies in place uh, to regulate climate uh, uh, tech adoption, uh, and which also then ties in with the company's overall ESG goals and, and initiatives. It's no sense leaving it to your IT teams or your commercial teams or your marketing teams as they go ahead and procure technology. If your board doesn't have a global view of is this technology right for our business? Is it affecting our ESG goals? Is it harmful to our other initiatives? Uh, and ultimately, the board must adopt oversight and policy implementation becomes critical. With the adoption of any policy, obviously, training goes hand in hand with it. So does monitoring and fostering some form of culture of compliance. The next uh, problem, uh, the, the next solution which companies should be adopting is ensuring that they conduct proper uh, due diligence exercises to ensure that whatever climate tech uh, solutions are being adopted, this will enable the organization to meet its business requirements and also its legal obligations and importantly its ESG goals and, uh, and objectives. Uh, further, it's critical that boards as well as their legal teams fully understand the impact or likely impact of regulations on uh, on technology. And sometimes regulations may be as is during this time, but also keeping an eye out to see what's coming, what's on the radar, what's on the radar of my government, what's on the radar of other governments around the world. So having this crystal ball approach to regulation, that also becomes important because the last thing a board wants to do is adopt some form of technology only for a year or two years down the line. Uh, for governments to say this is not good enough and this is actually detrimental and we want you to you know uh, scrap this technology uh, reinvest in a, in a whole new type of technology so understanding not just the regulatory environment as is but also what the future regulatory landscape looks like that becomes critical and then another often overlooked part of uh, of uh, uh, interventions which companies need to take in, in fostering or in adopting climate tech is whenever you are negotiating your contracts with uh, solution providers, ensuring that those contracts are drafted in a sound manner. So often we see clients coming to us with problems where they think they are procuring a certain type of technology. They think that they are, this technology is going to help them achieve certain types of objectives only for the contract to say something very different. So you may have a, 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 a company which proposes a type of solution uh, that promises a lot of things on paper, uh, promises a lot of things in, in, in under marketing material, but when one actually drills down to the contract, uh, those are qualified in such to such an extent that the technology sometimes becomes useless uh, and becomes known uh, what is known as shelfware in the industry. So technology which you think you're procuring for a certain reason, you think it's going to achieve an objective, but because in the, uh, the manner in which that technology may be constructed, you may not have done your due diligence on it, and because of ultimately what's set forth in your legal agreements with your solution providers, it actually renders that technology uh, obsolete and useless 
university organizations. And then obviously with any implementation of technology, ensuring that there's proper project management practices adopted, that is also critical. Like that, there's a number of interventions which boards can take, uh, but ownership starts at board level and it's critical that boards have a sound grasp of uh, tying in their climate tech adoption with their overall ESG goals and objectives. Ridwan, thanks very much for that breakdown. It certainly seems like you need to be very careful that the benefits outweigh the risks. But of course, there's so much opportunity out there as well, and you don't want to neglect that as long as you have this framework. So thanks very much for that that guidance. I think it's really critical and important out there uh, as technology races ahead. So thanks very much. Great chatting to you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Ed.